Father, once again, Father, as your people, as your children, Lord, we come to your throne of grace. Father, because you said, come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace. For mercy and for grace in time of need. And we come, therefore, this morning to your throne room, Lord. Throne room of grace, Lord. That you have made possible for us to enter through the body and the blood of your son. Father, this morning we come. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would open up every one of our hearts to receive your word. Just like you opened up the heart of Lydia. Open up our hearts, O Lord. To receive your word. Let your word find fertile soil. In the hearts of your people this morning. Not soil with thorns. Which is overwhelmed by the cares and the concerns of this world. But not even shallow soil. But soil which is prepared to bear fruit. Even a hundredfold. Father, I pray Lord, you would find hearts this morning. Therefore, Father, enable us to break up our fallow ground. And enable us to receive the word with gladness. With meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. And therefore I pray to that and you would bless us. And anoint us in the speaking and of the hearing of this word. We thank you, we praise you. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, one of the verses that challenges me a lot in the book of Proverbs is a rhetorical question. I mean, I I mentioned this in several context, but I just challenges me a lot. It's found in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. Look at at different translations for us to understand um, this verse. Very simple, but profound. It's a rhetorical question. It says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man who can find? That's a rhetorical question. That means very, very rare to find a faithful man, or rather it is impossible to find a faithful man. Another, many claim to have unfailing love. This is uh, the NIV. But a faithful person who can find? The ESV. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love. But a faithful man who can find? Another translation. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty. (laughs) This is a very important Characteristic or character trait to have in a believer's life. Loyalty. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty. But who can find what? A trustworthy man. Who can find a rhetorical question? Very rare, in other words. Or rather, it's impossible. There's only one person who's called the faithful witness. You know who that is? Jesus himself. The faithful witness. So, Question for today is, a faithful man, who can find? <laughs> That's today's title. None of, none of us is faithful, but we need to become people who will be faithful till the end. Revelation chapter 17 verse 14 will say, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. It's a very interesting verse, no? They will make a war on the Lamb. This is the Antichrist and all the kings of this earth. Uh, context, of course. They will make war on the Lamb and the Lamb will conquer them. Why? Because 
He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The first reason why he will be able to conquer them is because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the second reason is because those who are with, with him are called what? The called, the chosen and the faithful. Because of these two people, the faithfulness of God, because he is the king of kings and lord of lords, and those who are with him are the called, are the chosen, and are the faithful. Many are called, few are chosen. And out of those those few people, only few will remain faithful to the end. Okay, so this morning, you know, let this be the desire of our heart. Matthew chapter 25 verse 21. 21. His Lord said to him, said unto him, Well done thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. This morning let the Lord find faithful people. And how do we ensure that we surrender ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that God can rot righteousness? And faithfulness in our lives is a question that I want to ask this morning. And I want to look at a passage which which can give us answers even as we uh, surrender to the working of the Holy Spirit. The word of God has got power to work in those who believe. And every word of God from Genesis to Revelation is been, is been, is, has been given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. So that a man of God is thoroughly equipped for Every good work. And I want to look at one passage found in Second Samuel chapter 15. <clears throat> Just came back home the other day from church office and uh, my wife looked at my face and she said, why is your face like that? You know, countenance was really, really unpleasant. And I said, I was reading the Bible like intensely through the account in First Samuel and Second Samuel and I got depressed, I said. If you read the account in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, barring a few instances of of victory, you will find disappointment all over. Okay. The people ask for a king. And you know, Samuel is very, very upset with this and he goes to the Lord and the Lord makes a poignant statement. He says, Samuel, why are you so upset? They haven't rejected you. They have rejected me from being their king over their lives. And they asked for a king. And Hosea says, he gave them a king in his anger and he took them, took him away in his wrath. It was not a pleasing thing. It was, a, it was what John Piper calls a spectacular sin. He wrote a book called The Spectacular Sin. The first chapter he, he is First Samuel chapter 12 where people of God ask God for a king just like the other nations to rule over them. And if you see the entire account, boy, you'll see the heart of man, the hunger for power, politics, uh, conspiracy, um, murder, political murder, everything. You name it, it is there. It's, it's one of the most depressing reads actually. If you read through First Samuel and Second Samuel, and in fact, if you read through the entire accounts of the kings, you'll have hardly few people, few kings here and there who have the semblance of revival coming over, but very, as soon as, I mean, no sooner than the revival appears, it just disappears. Just after this king, king is gone, the next generation messes it up. So I, I was I was wanting to look at this, and the question is, where, where does God find faithful people? And if you look at the entire Bible, 
the Bible is a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ in different characters. And one character who epitomizes is David himself and Jesus himself is called the son of David. And I want to look at one passage to understand faithfulness. How do we understand? How do we become faithful people? What makes us into faithful people? So that we will be truly, truly be called those well done, good and faithful servants. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Because many are called, few are chosen and few remain faithful. And this morning, even as we enter into the first Sunday of the second second month of this 2020, let us ask God, To give us loyal and faithful hearts. Loyalty is a very, very important, important, what do you say, characteristic that God looks for. He's, he's, he really loves loyal people. You know, um, the word in Telugu is not viswasam, it's viswasyata. It's a beautiful word for loyalty. Viswasyata. Just, you're, you cling to that person no matter what that is clinging to God, of course, in this context. Second Samuel chapter 15, I'm reading from verse 1 onwards. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horse. Now this is Absalom after he murders his brother and he escapes the presence of the king and uh, he's, the king is not talking to him for several several uh, days and Joab comes and gives and somehow convinces the king to have Absalom come back to the palace but the king never sees him, I mean come back to Jerusalem but even as Absalom comes back, king never sees him for several several days. Uh, uh, years almost and one day Absalom gets really frustrated and he says I would have I would rather have stayed in my relative's place why did the king bring me back to Jerusalem if he didn't doesn't want to see me let me have an audience with the king and he goes and he has an audience with the king and you know king makes peace that is David makes peace with Absalom and this is what happens after David makes peace with Absalom this is second Samuel chapter 15 just giving a context to you so that you'll understand where I'm going after this Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him this is remarkable Chariot and horses and people to run. Okay, this is this is basically what we call as going to the to to put your nomination papers. No, they don't go normally. Okay, chariot and horses and a lot of people doing hangama and your uh, and by the time you go to the nomination office, the doors are shut. That's what happened. <laughs> if you know what your, if you know your news, what has happened? Okay, in Delhi. Anyway, so uh, fifty men to run before and an Absalom used to rise early. And stand beside the way of the gate. Very hard working man. Really. Stand beside the way of the gate. And many men had a dispute to come before king for judgment. Absalom would call to him and say, from what city are you? And he would say, your servant is such and such a tribe in Israel. Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are good and right. But there is no designated man or no man designated by the king to hear you. He doesn't directly attack the king. He uses subtle language. He doesn't say my father is useless. No, no, no. He uses oh, there is no designated man uh, to plead your cause. So, you see, this is all politics. Politics only. Then let's, let's see what happens. Then Absalom would say, oh, that I were a judge. I mean, you see, he doesn't say uh, I should replace my father, he says, oh, if I were a judge in the land, then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me and I would give him justice. And whenever a, camp, a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. You see the classic politician over here? The classic politician? You know, it reminds me of that un, 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 unrighteous steward. No, uh, the, 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 uh, His master knows this guy is messing up the accounts. 
He says, tomorrow I want your accounts. And this guy goes and calls all the debtors and says, how much do you owe the master? 100, right? 50. And you know what? The master comments. He says, do you know this unjust steward what he's doing? So that when I kick him out, they will receive him into their homes. And he says, the sons of this world are wiser than the sons of this kingdom. Son of the world here. Trying to steal the hearts of the people. So all happening right under Jerusalem. I mean under the, I mean mean, under David's nose. But David is so naive. He doesn't even see this. Or he doesn't want to see it. I don't know. Absalom did to all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom, what? Stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Stealer of hearts. Dil Churalia. Be very careful. That's the reason why it says, better is a rebuke of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. And then, and at the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. Lies again. For your servant vowed a vow while I lived in Geshur in Aram, saying, if the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer worship to the Lord. Then the king said to him, go in peace. By the way, Absalom means my father is peace. Av Shalom. Shalom means peace. My father is peace. Cause of peace. He is the cause of peace. Avgail, cause of joy. Av Shalom, cause of peace. You know, he is definitely, totally antithetical to his name. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then, then say, Absalom is king at Hebron. With Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem. And this is not, look at what it says. It, they say, it says, who were invited guests and they went in their innocence and they knew nothing. Absalom had this in his heart. And he says, the moment you hear the trumpets, say Absalom is king. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city Gilo, and the conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom kept on. Ah, so politicians will do this, no? The numbers are increasing now, and because, just because he's got numbers on his side, he thinks that he writes, he's right. That's what he sees. Majority opinion doesn't mean that you're right. That is the reason why it says in, uh, in the book of Exodus, he says, don't side with the majority just because if you, many people are following that way, it doesn't mean that they're, all, they're always right. They could be absolutely wrong. Okay, that is the reason why it says, God, Jesus does not judge with the seeing of his eyes or the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness. Okay, understand this. And Absalom, people with Absalom kept on increasing. And the messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. My goodness. And immediately David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Can you imagine a father running from his son? He's going to kill me. My son is going to kill me. Let me run. Go quickly lest he overtake us quickly and bring down ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. What has happened? A number of people with Absalom has increased and David has understood this and he says "Let's, let's flee. One of the things that I love about David, whenever 
he is in trouble, he sings. For us, whenever we are in trouble, oh yeah. But David is not like that. Every situation, he messed up with uh, uh, Akish, uh, uh, the king of Gath, and he acts like a madman. He comes back and writes a psalm. Writes a psalm. He goes and li- supposedly lies to Ahimelech, the, the priest, and the doeg is there, he comes and writes a psalm. Okay. Every failure or success, he writes a psalm. And there's a guy who absolutely worships God. There's a heart of worship in David. So the first thing I want to look at is, look at the state of the king. Okay, the first thing. What's the state of the king? The first thing he does is, Lord, my son has taken over, but you know what? Every situation, in all things, what should I do? In every situation, give thanks for, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In all situations, give thanks. So what does he do? He sings a psalm called Psalm 3. And how does it psalm start? A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. See that? A context is this. He's running from Absalom and he's writing, I mean, he's singing even as he's running. It's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit even as he's running away from his, from his, uh, from his son, from his son and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to, to sing a psalm which again becomes a part of the Psalter. This is what he has to say. Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. Many are they who arise me. So what has happened? Everybody is now where the number of people have increased with whom? Absalom. Many are they who rise up against me. Let me tell you something. I'll come to that very soon. Many are they who rise, who, who are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God's Selah, but you, O Lord, are a shield to me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. You know what he says? Lord, first of all, I know the situation which has come into my life. And you know, David is one of one person who is always conscious about the sin that he has committed. Conscious. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. Look at this, what he says. It is a mercy for us that he, David, was not, better, was not a better man than he was. Okay, just imagine if David had no mistakes in his life. No sins he has committed. Nothing. You know what Spurgeon says? It is a mercy for us that he was not a better than, man than he was. Or else he could not have written psalms suitable to such poor creatures like us. Bathsheba, he sins, he goes and writes a psalm. Oh, have mercy upon me, Lord. Absalom is running after him, he goes and writes a psalm. He messes up with Akish, king of Gath, he goes and writes a psalm. Doeg is there, he goes and writes a psalm. Saul is after him, he writes a psalm. So many situations he writes a psalm, and many of those situations he's actually, you know, asking for mercy. Thank God for such people who are absolutely honest. And look at what he says. He says, there is no help for him in God's sailor, but you, O Lord, are the glory and the lifter of my head. What has happened? So many people have been stolen by Absalom and everybody has, has gained. I mean, it's like, you know, in a, in a singing competition, you have judges. Okay, several judges in a singing competition. You know, America's got talent, India's got talent, Indian Idol, American Idol, all idols. And then you will have six or seven judges in the panel. And they flatter him. And then it is not sufficient for the human court to give an answer. Everybody has to send SMSs also. All the viewers have to send what? SMSs. So the number of people whose, whom, whose hearts you have stolen through the music, through your song, 
then they will call you great singer. And that's exactly what happened to Absalom. What, is Ab- what has Absalom done? He has taken, Abs- uh, what is your opinion poll? Okay. <laughs> opinion poll says, boy, you are the number one. Everybody likes you to be king. But the only point is God doesn't want you to be king. That's the reason why you know what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, is it, a, it is a small thing for me to be judged by you or by any human court. Okay. It is a small thing for me to be judged by you or by any human court. I also don't judge my own self also, first of all. Even if I don't have anything against God, my conscience is not having any problems. Even by that, it doesn't mean that I'm justified. No, it is a Lord who justifies me. Just because I said Sabash to myself, or hundred people have said sabash to me. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is the reason why he says, but you, O Lord, are what? A shield to me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. He sings. And then you know what he says? I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard. He Look at how he, how he, how he writes it. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he, he's going to hear me? No, he heard me. I lay down and I slept and I worked for the Lord. Sustain, not will sustain me, sustain me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people have set themselves against me all around. I will sleep. You know why? Because you, O oh Lord, are the glory and the lifter of my head. In other words, nobody's opinion about me matters. If you say, Lord, come here, I will come here. I am not after the throne. I am after who? You. That is the state of the king. Goes on. Arise, O Lord, save, save me, O my God, for you have, you will strike other. You have struck all my enemies on the cheek, cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah, meditate upon that. So there's a conspiracy which is going on in, uh, in the, in the country in, in, in Jerusalem. And he's not afraid of it. That's, that's exactly what Isaiah chapter 8 will say. Look at what it says, Isaiah chapter 8 verse 11. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people saying, do not say a conspiracy. Concerning all this people are, this, this people call a conspiracy. Not be afraid of their threats, not be troubled. There's so much of CAA and NRC going on in our country. He says, it's a conspiracy against all the minorities. So don't, don't panic. First of all, we are having a different citizenship. What is our citizenship? Our citizenship is of heaven. If India gives, not give, doesn't matter. One day we will, maybe we will rule over India. We have to give them citizenship. So, do you want their citizenship or you want to give them citizenship? Is the question. So, don't worry about the conspiracy. Oh, there's so much a conspiracy against the minorities in India. Ah, take it easy. And look at what he says. He says, the Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. He will be a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble, they shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. This is exactly what Peter quotes in First Peter chapter 3. Look at what he says. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Answer? Nobody. It's a, it's a rhetorical question. But even if you should Suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 8, it says, Do not be afraid of their threats, 
nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and be ready to give an answer for the hope that is, that is within you. Become a person who is absolutely sure as to what you are doing. And you know, one of the things that we have, you know, people in Christendom, problem is they are not sure. Why are they not sure? Because, you know, the hearts are divided. There is no surety. Oh, I don't know if he loves me. They are not sure of their salvation. And he says, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that then they, when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it is better if it is for the will of God to suffer doing good than doing evil. Have this mindset, my dear brothers and sisters. So this is exactly what has happened. The mindset of the king. You know what he's saying? Lord, so many people are saying Absalom is king. But Lord, you know what? I don't care whether you call me king or not. I want you. You are the glory and the lifter up of my head. Who's your glory? Question this morning. Who's your glory? Who's your glory means? Whose opinion matters? To you. Opinion of all the people or only God's opinion matters? Question number one. That's the state of the king. And then we'll come to the people who remain faithful. Second Samuel chapter 15 and verse 15 onwards. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. When the king went out with all his household after him, but the king left ten women concubines to keep the house, and the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. And then what happens? And all the servants passed before him, and all the Herathites, and the Pelethites, and all the Gittites. Who are these? 600 men who had followed him from Gath passed before the king. You know what? These are the people who, you know what they said? We were with you, David. Through thick and thin, through suffering, through every kind of trial, even at the point when at once, at one time when the Zikla came down, we wanted to kill you, but when we saw your faith and the assurance of a, of a leader, we said, you know what, we'll be faithful to you. And those 600 people followed him. So who are these 600 people? How do you become like one of these 600 people? What are the ingredients or the characteristics of the faithful is a question. First Samuel chapter 2, 22 verses 1 and 2. We'll talk about the characteristics of these faithful men who went along with David. It says in First Samuel chapter 22 verses 1 to 2. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to, to him there. All those who were in how many are you in distress? All in debt. Prayer request, Lord, I want a debt-free life. And all discontent, discontented. I mean, if I read your prayer request, there is a spirit of discontentment. It may, may not be the letter of discontentment, but there is definitely the spirit of discontentment. So there are all people who are in this distress, all people in, dis, uh, in debt and discontentment gathered around him and he became their commander about 400 men now and 200 men later. So 600 men in debt, in distress, in discontentment. So these three characteristics you need to have first. What should you have? First, you need to have distress. Second, you need to have debt. Third, you need to have oh, how many of you qualify? See, if you have first these three characteristics, you you can be worked out to be a person who's faithful. 
So let us actually observe what it means to be in distress. Okay, what does distress mean? First of all, distress means you are under siege. Under siege, under not the movie under siege. Okay, it is a siege means those days if they had to defeat a city, the enemy would come and surround the city. Muttadi In Telugu, it's called muttadi It's like just surround the city with a huge amount of armies and cut off all the supplies. Slowly, they will drain out every supply. Slowly, you know. And water is over. Food is over. And everything is over. 40 days fasting is also over. Now, what should people do? They should eat one another. That is siege. Distress. That's exactly what has happened to these people. They were under siege. Absolute incredible amount of distress in their life. And when they had distress in their life, whom did they turn to? They went to father. Went, went to, went to, uh, David. But let us, let us understand what this actually spir- spiritually means. Second Chronicles, uh, Second Kings chapter 6 explains the situation, okay? And it happened after this, the Ben-Hadar king of Syria gathered all his army and went up and what? Besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria and, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of doubt droppings for five shekels of silver. And it's exactly what is happening even in India. Onions are going 160 rupees once, once upon a time. Few months back. Few weeks back. And one of the cartoons was saying uh, thieves broke into the house and stole onions. Did you see that? <laughs> you see, <laughs> that's exactly what inflation. Okay, it's that's how that's how that's how it happens even in our in our in our lives, right? Salary increment is five percent. Cost of living, twenty five percent. Even your landlord says every year ten percent hike. Salary is not increasing, but everything else is increasing. Distress. Then what happened? Then as the king of Israel was passing by the by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, help my lord, O king. And he said, if the lord does not help you, where can I help? find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered and this woman said to me, she said, give your son that we may eat and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat. But she has hidden her son. This is exactly what has happened. They are eating one another. In other words, they are completely in distress. Now, let me explain this situation to you spiritually. In other words, you are feeling, Lord, wherever I go, Lord, I feel as if every situation is against me. Been beaten up black and blue from every side. What happened? When you are in distress, there's one thing, I mean this is a spiritual condition basically. There's one thing you now God is looking for. What is this? It says what we call as a situation of spiritual poverty. In other words, Lord, I'm absolutely helpless and my help is in you alone. In other words, I have lost every right over my life. I have given it completely over to you. That is what distress means. Spiritually. Second Kings chapter 7. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we 
Everybody say, until we die. If we, if we, if we will enter, in the, enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die. And if we sit here, we shall die. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. So in other words, they are saying, Lord, I'm, and he was going to die. One life, as we sang today, this life is going to be over in the next, for me, uh, four score and ten more, another forty years. It's going to be over after that. Take my life, Lord. You know what, it, what is, what is it called in Telugu? It's a very interesting word. Teginche manastatam. Teginche sadinkante. Just, Going ahead is given up everything for God. Look at what it says in uh, Esther chapter 4 verse 12. When Esther's word were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. What has happened? No, the, the Jews are having, there's a conspiracy in the land. They all, they want to eliminate all the Jews. And Mordecai asks Esther, why don't you go and ask the king for help? And Esther says, if I enter into the king's presence without his permission, and if he doesn't stretch the scepter, I will just be put to death. And she gives an excuse. And you know what he says? Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will, will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family's house will perish. So let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. Because you are living in your comfortable little cocoons and you have everything okay in your life, it doesn't mean nothing's going to happen to you. You need to have a spiritual condition called distress condition. What is distress condition? Look at, let, let, look, look at what it says in the next verse. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Let me tell you something. Doesn't matter how much you progress in your life, in your career or in your spiritual condition. One thing, it is not for you. It is for the body of Christ, not for you. Have this mindset. If you get a promotion, it's for the body of Christ. If you don't get a promotion, it is for the body of Christ. If you get an increase, it is for the body of Christ. It is everything that God has blessed you with is not for you to hold. It is for you to what? Give away. That is what we call a spiritual condition of distress. And look at what she says. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is what we call as distress condition. I am going to do the will of God. Are you? Because, but you know what? Don't become so radical. Have a backup plan. Okay. God has called me. Just think, think about it. God has called me after you finish your B-Tech. Let's say. Called you. After you finish your B-Tech. They will say, hey, finish. Get a master's degree. Just in case. Because that nowadays every, every, everyone is a B-Tech. Have a backup plan. Just in case if this doesn't work, you have a master's degree and you'll get your, get your job. Backup plan. No backup plan. If you are in a distressed condition, no backup plan. You are saying, Lord, I have burnt all my bridges. I put my hand on the plow and I am not turning back. This is what we call as distressed condition. Only those people who are in distressed condition can be what? Faithful. A faithful man who can find. But you know, see, when you give everything to God, you are not a fool. Jim Elliot. This is his quotation. He is no fool 
who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. Kya baat hai? Let's all read it together. <laughs> Let's read it together. One, two, three. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. Give to God your life. Peter said, Master, we've given up our homes, our wealth, everything. Hare, what are you saying, Rebaba? With persecutions, you will receive a hundredfold, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. Distress condition. How many of you are in distress condition today? Oh, no, 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 no. We need some safe havens. We also have our Swiss banks. No? Somewhere round a deposit with the manaki. No, I mean very difficult to for people to come into distress condition. But unless and until you are in distress condition, you will not be faithful. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. He who finds his life will, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You will not lose with God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. John 12, 25. He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. How many distressed people here in the house of God this morning? Not because of your condition. But in spite of your condition. Hare Lord, Lord. Such a troublesome office. No, 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 no. Not because of that. Lord, everything is going well in my life. You know what? I want to be like Esther. I want to give everything for God. If I perish, I perish. That is distress. You see, this is what we call as call to discipleship. This is what we call as cost of discipleship. Nothing is free, Baba. You have to pay the price. No, salvation is free. But discipleship in order to really, really, really find God. You really... The question, therefore, you know, the, the Puritans, apparently I was listening to uh, Tim Keller. No, we were our favorite one of Sam and I, we listened to him regularly. And he said, during the Puritans' time, in one of his sermons he says, during the Puritans' time, whenever they do, used to do evangelism and people used to come into the kingdom, they would ask them one question. Did you find the pearl of great price? Did you find the pearl? Did you find the pearl? Did you find the pearl? That was like in a shibboleth. No, that's a question. What is that pearl? Did you find God to be more precious and nothing is worth holding on to in this world and I'm ready to give up everything everything for this God? Did you did you come to that condition? They would ask him. And that is the reason why there was revival in those days. Because people were in what condition? Distress condition. First, all those who are in distress. Second, all those who had debt. What is this? Luke's Gospel chapter 7 verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went to the Pharisees house and sat down to eat and behold a woman in the city who was a sinner. We don't even know her name. What is she? You know, Papishtidi. Basically, that's exactly how it is in Telugu. We don't even know her name. She's a sinner. A name not even worth mentioning. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, 
stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with a fragrant oil and then he turned to the woman Jesus and you know Simon had his own questions he turned to the woman and said to Simon do you see this woman I entered into your house you gave me no water to my feet but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head you gave me no kiss but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You know the parable, right? You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, for her sins which are many are forgiven. For she, what? Loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. You know what he's saying? This woman, she knew that she doesn't deserve anything from the Lord. She says, Lord, all that I have, I am what we call as, I am indebted to you. And this one guy in the entire Bible who had this confession to make, and you don't find any of the other apostles making this confession. Do you know that? You know who that apostle is, right? Romans chapter 1. I am a debtor, both to the educated, and to the barbarians. And to, and, and to the un- uneducated. No, no. Some people are dedicated only to the educated. Uneducated they will put on it. They are not my level. He says, no. Greeks, barbarians to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel. You know what preaching the gospel? Washing others' feet. You know why? Because I know that I am a data. No. When you know when you will come out of debt, let me tell you. When you know that you are a debtor, then you will come out of debt. This is honestly the bottom line. Romans, this is the same same gospel. So same gospel. Yes, I would call him call it the gospel according to Paul. Romans chapter thirteen, verse eight. Let's read it together in the Living Bible translation. Everybody, verse eight onwards. Read it. Pay all your, except the debt of. In other words. No matter how much you pay, you will still be in debt. Never finishing, never finish paying that. For if you love them, you will be obeying all God's laws, fulfilling all God's requirements. The Living Bible. Finish, never finish paying that. A debt, not debtor. So we have people who are distressed. People who are in debt. So people who are in distress can be made faithful. Are you in distress today? Have you surrendered, sir, Lord? No, I'm not holding anything back. Everything that I have, I'm giving to you. Uh, the children sang that song, no? Abrahamo Isakuku Ichesina Aradhana. He just literally has given away the best that he has got. The only son to God. That is what worship is. Nothing holding, he's not holding anything back from God. That is distress. Second, debt. I'm indebted to God. In other words, how do I, how am I indebted to God? I love others. How, how do I know that I'm indebted to God's people? I work hard on the word so that I can feed the people of God. Feed the people of God. That is because I, not because I, I mean, of course, I enjoy studying the Bible for sure. I also enjoy teaching it for sure. I mean, there's nobody's forcing me to teach, no. I enjoy it. But you know, there's one 
desire in my heart, Lord, your people, when they come to the house of God, have to be blessed by your word. Because I love you. And the way that I express my love for you is by teaching and feeding the congregation by your word. First, I have what? Distress. I have a hard attitude of distressness. I have a attitude of indebtedness. So thirdly, distress, debt, and discontentment. What is this discontentment? Other translation, I mean, the actual rendering is a bitterness of the soul. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord and she was in what? Everybody. What does that mean? Discontented and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish and she said, you know what she said? Lord, she made a woman and said, Lord, of course, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him back to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon him. You know what she's, what she's saying? Lord, I know, Lord, this is not my life. My life is just not to exist. Lord, I should birth something that will impact eternity. My life is, there's a holy discontentment deep, in, deep inside of you. So, Lord, my life has to matter. I'm not here to just to exist and die. You know, there's a, there's a, I keep mentioning that. No, the fear of the Lord increases the length of your days. Length of your days will be increased by the fear of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you will live long. That you will not die before your time. What's the whole point in living long if you don't finish God's purpose? And I often give the example, you will be just like the tortoise in Nehru Zoological Park. How many years? 140 years. Same fellow. Several generations have come and seen the same tortoise and still there with a long life. What's the use? But you know what? Lord, I'm just not here merely to exist. I have to birth something in my life. Birth something in my life. I should impact you. My life should matter. Should impact you because you did not just save me for nothing. I want to be, I'm discontent with my own life. I want, Lord, to be used in your kingdom. There's a discontentment. This morning, if you have that, you know what? A holy discontentment, Lord, my life should matter. When I go to my office, I should be able to minister to people who are around. I should be able to find people whom I can impact. Or you should be able to send people to me so that I can speak to them the gospel. Discontent. So we have first indebtedness, I'm sorry, distress, indebtedness, and holy discontentment, and then God can make you into faithful. And then, one of these 600 men I want to sample, he becomes a real soldier. Second Samuel chapter 16. Then Abishai, the son of Zura, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king, let me go over and take off his head? This is when, you know, uh, he's going and Shimea is there cursing David and Abishai is like okay this is a guy who is once upon a time, I mean he's got the spirit of distressed, okay, second he is indebted to David third, he's got a holy discontentment second, he's got a real soldier spirit, you know what David says, put your sheath, sword back into your sheath don't do anything, this is the attitude of Abishai I'll, I'll explain this to you. First Samuel chapter 26. Then David asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai the son of Zeruiah, Job's brother, who will go down into the camp of Saul with me? I will go, says who? Abishai. 
So David and Abishai went to the army by the night and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with a spear stuck to the ground near his head. And then you know what Abishai said? Abner and the soldiers were lying around him and Abishai said to David, today the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him down. He's like, his hand is on the sword like this, Lord. You know, one man of God gave a very interesting example. Just imagine you're an Indian soldier at the LOC. You have an AK-47. You're fully armed. You have a pistol, you have a knife, you have everything. And right across the border, there's one Pakistani fellow coming and saying, and doing all kinds of things to you. Deep down inside of your heart, your blood is boiling. And you want to use your whatever. You know what? You will never use it unless you get the orders from above. You're completely dead to your emotions. That is a man who is faithful. Provocations will come left, right and center. And you know, every time you get a provocation, you want to write an email. God says, be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to get angry, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God demands. Don't Yes, you have the spirit of Abishai. You are in distress. One, you have the distressed spirit. You are an indebtedness in your heart and you have a holy discontentment. But you are under authority. I have a cow whose name is Mao. I always come back to the cow story, right? You know what? You want to use everything. Chill, relax. Take a ginger ale. You know, I remember sometimes I, I go to Pastor James and this is, this is what we have conversations. I said, Pastor, I'm so angry. <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet. Finished all water on my anger. Shh, relax. Takipo. Takipo. Don't, don't become an Abishai. You want to take off his sword and cut off somebody's head. You know what? People can provoke you. They can do all kinds of things to you. But you are a what soldier? A real soldier. Under authority. You may have every right and every, what do you say? A legitimate reason to use force. But you don't. A man who is under authority like that among these people is faithful. And those are the people who can be entrusted with Authority and Abishai becomes one of the mighty men of David, by the way. A real soldier. Look at what Paul says in First Timothy chapter 2. Join with me in suffering. <laughs> like that, again, I mean translation. You know what? Who is suffering? David is suffering. And he's cursing David. And Abishai is so angry that his master is being cursed, his name is being cursed. He's master. He says, Okay, fine. You're my servant. Suffer along with me. Let that spit come onto you. And somebody was saying, No. What Peter, uh, Abel was praying was a fantastic prayer. Lord, let your sufferings find their completion in us. Boy, what a prayer that is. And what he says, like a good soldier, join with me, like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Be under your commanding officer. When he asks you, ask you to use the sword, use the sword. Don't ask. You know, this is amazing, isn't it? Don't touch the Lord's anointed, he says. Abishai, don't touch, don't touch. 
touch and even if he cuts off the edge of his garment this man is completely under conviction that, that is david and because david never abused his authority like that god could entrust him with authority and he is teaching abishai abishai i know you got a lot of zeal i know you have got a lot of good intent intention too but you know what be under my authority ask use your uh, whatever skills you have only when i ask you to use very difficult no people want to use them i'm not being used lord huh. wait be under authority be trained so first we have what distress debt holy discontentment and then you have a real soldier let's go to the next character second samuel chapter 15 then said the king to itai the gitite why are you also going with us return and remain with the king can you imagine who is the king here is absolute is the king now return and remain with the king for you are a foreigner and an exile from your own place in fact you came only yesterday should i make you wander up and down with us today since i i go uh, since i go i know i know not where return and take your brother and back mercy and peace and truth be with you i like that verse no mercy and truth have kissed each other righteousness and peace have met each other that's exactly what is proclaiming over itai the hitite gitite by the way itai means the word itai means i am with you gitite means wine press i don't know why gitite from the wine press okay itai means i am with you he says return to return and remain with the king look at how itite itai the gitite answers but itai answered the king and said as the lord lives and as my lord the king lives who is my king you are my king that follows not the king surely in whatever place my lord the king you know it's in telugu it's very interesting na elina vadavu na raju you know what elina vadavu means the one who rules over my life that is what the word lordship means the one who rules over my life you are the one who rules over my life shall shall be whether in death or in life wherever my lord the king shall be whether in death or life even there also your servant will be so david said to itai go and cross over now now you are they are ready you now cross over cross over then itai the gitite and all his men on all his little ones who were with him crossed over so what is this attitude this guy understood who the real king is and who is the real and what the real kingdom is okay there's one guy who's sitting in jerusalem he's not the real king hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 therefore jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate therefore let us go forth with him outside the camp bearing his reproach why for here we do not have any continuing city nowhere wherever my the lord the king is that is where my city is what is this attitude but we seek the one which is to come Second Samuel chapter fifteen. You know what? He has two attitudes which are being recognized by David. First, he's a foreigner, and he's an exile. How many foreigners over here? Don't say uh, Peter and uh, <laughs> Sam. We are all foreigners, and we are all in exile in a foreign country. As I said, no. Whenever you are in a in a prison, you don't have any rights over the food that you eat. you don't have any rights over the bed that you sleep on whatever bed they give and whatever food they give and whatever clothes they give for you to wear you will be satisfied we went to cherlapalli prison sometime back no 
Same thing. No, they don't ask for anything. You know why? Because they are in exile, captivity, foreign land, captive, captives in foreign land. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 2. We all know this. Once you were not a people, that is a type. You were a Gittite. You were not a people. But now you are a people of God. Once you have not received mercy. Now what you have received? Mercy and truth. Now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as what? Foreigners and exiles abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. You know why? Because you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are, you are under the kingship of Jesus Christ. You know what? Behave like a foreigner. Behave like an exile. You know what he says? So David, so verse 13. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he and his head covered, with he, uh, he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. You know, it's so beautiful. So look at the, how many times the word went up first. And then Went barefoot. Went up, went up. And what is alongside went up? Weeping. Weeping. You know how you go up in your walk with the Lord? By weeping. By suffering. By enduring. There's, only, there's no other way to go up in your spiritual life rather through to the path, pathway of weeping and suffering. Weeping may endure for a... You know what that night is? That could be 40 years for you. Like somebody said, no? For, he went to an astrologer and the astrologer looked at his palm and he said, okay, for 40, for 40 years, you will have lots of problems in your life. And then he said, after that, he said, after that, you will get used to them. <laughs> Don't worry. See, 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 that is exactly how Christian life is. Okay. You have, you think that you have trouble now? Wait a little longer. The path up is never without weeping. The path up is never comfortable. It's barefoot. The path to a faithful life is never without weeping. And you know why he is weeping? Because somebody closest to him betrayed him. That is the ultimate. And that is the only way. That is the way of the cross. That is a that is the way up. And all these people are crossing over, and they are all those people who are in what distress. Those people who are indebted to him. Those people who are discontented. Those people who are good soldiers. Those people who think that they are egg. Strangers and exiles, those people who are going outside the camp, bearing his reproach, you know what they're saying? Unless I have allowed myself to come to terms with a lifestyle of weeping, I will never go up with this king. And I will never be faithful. Weeping. That is the reason why blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And you know when that actual mourning will end, that day when we go there into the presence of the Lord, He will wipe away all our tears till that time tapadu manaki. So let no other person come give, give you another, any other gospel saying, brother, there is no weeping. 
Why are you weeping all the time? But there is only one way to spiritual faithfulness. That is a lifestyle of weeping. And then you will move up. Look at the how many times. Weeping and going up. Weeping and going up. Weeping and going up. This is weeping and going up. I know, I know so many of you who have real, real unsaved loved ones in your own family. And they don't understand you. They don't understand you. And every time you have to make a decision for them, you know, God says you have to weep. That's it. I, mean, I like, I like Nabil Quresh, you know. Nabil Quresh, what a, what a testimony this guy had. You know, he wrote in his book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. He has become a believer now. He wants to get baptized. I mean, if you've read that book, yeah? He wants to get baptized, no? And he goes and tells David, David Bird, his friend, he says, I want to get baptized. And he says, you have to go and tell your father and mother. He says, no, I can't tell my father and mother if they know that I've become a believer. They're just going to die. He says, sorry, I, I can't baptize you. Please, David, you're going to baptize me no matter what, 15 or whatever date. I, I'm going to get baptized. We are coming to that swimming pool that day. You're going to baptize me. And you know what David says? I'm going to pray to God that your parents will know about it. And he's hoping that he can become a secret believer and he can enjoy comfort for a few days. And one day slowly reveal that he has become a believer. That day, he's not in his home. He's left his computer open. The sovereignty of God. Okay. You believe sovereignty of God only during the times of Daniel and David. It has happened here also, in our century. He's opened his computer. He opened his room. He just went down to, I think, put the garbage or something. And by the time his parents have come into the room. A message pops up on the screen. Congratulations, Nabil, on your baptism. Advanced congratulations, Nabil, on your baptism. And his father and mother see that see that message. And then he enters the room. He says, Mommy and Papa. They have tears in their eyes. And they say, Nabil, you become a Christian. And his father says, Nabil, today I feel as if you've broken my spinal cord. And when his father uses those words, those words go like spear into his heart. And he cries to God and he says, Lord, why didn't you kill me the day I got saved? I don't want my parents to know that I've become a believer. At least I could have, you know, have avoided all this heartache and pain for my parents. They don't need this now. Weeping and weeping. And I know what he says. No, and the words that came to his mind was, no one who loves father, mother, brother, wife, children more than me is not worthy of me. And he cries and cries and cries. And that day he goes into the waters of baptism and he's ahead in the spiritual walk. There is no going ahead, my brothers and sisters, without weeping and giving up. The closest things in your life which value the most, nothing is more precious than God. Ask you this question. How many of you have relationships in your life which are finding it so difficult and you will cry? Not because you like following the Lord, because if you follow the Lord, those poor people, their hearts will break. That's what you think. But will you surrender to the Lord and say, Lord? You think about it, no? And Jesus had to carry the cross. That was his cross. Did Simon Simeon have anything to do with it? 
Did he, did he have anything to do with it? No. They say, come on, Simeon, come here. You, the, you carry the cross. And Simeon had nothing to do with it, but he has been given the privilege or, of carrying the cross with the cross of Jesus. And all history will know this man Simeon carried Jesus' cross. Not even his closest disciples. But that's a privilege. That's a privilege. Carrying a cross is not an option for any one of us. It is a privilege that God has given us. And it is the only way for spiritual progress. So let me tell you something. If if you have asked the Lord, Lord, this year I want to progress and move up in my spiritual walk with you. How many of you have asked this to the Lord? Be prepared for weeping. But let me tell you something. In those weeping moments is when you experience the presence of God the most. You know why? In all your weeping, he has wept with you. In all your struggling, he is there with you. He is there with you in the furnace. People have gone into the furnace and come out of the furnace, but the Son of God is still there in the furnace. Till the last disciple who has been ordained for suffering will go through the furnace. He's there. Weeping may endure for a moment. What is this moment, Baba? 40 years, as I said. Could be your weeping moments. One day God is going to wipe out every tear from your eyes. Weeping may endure. This light and momentary affliction is preparing for us what? An eternal weight of glory as we look unto things which are what? Unseen. That's what my next verse is. First Corinthians chapter 4. Sorry, I didn't put that verse. First Corinthians chapter 4. As we look at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are what? Transient. But the things, things which are unseen are what? Permanent. And someone told David saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. What is it? What did he pray? Turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Is it going to be accomplished? Yes. Whom does God need? Aha. Did you get that now? You didn't understand. Okay, let me explain this to you. Let's read it. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God, there was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. So we looked at five, already five, six characteristics now. We have, we looked at, uh, we, we looked at debt, sorry, we looked at distress, we looked at debt, we looked at discontentment, we looked at exile, I was a good soldier, we looked at a foreigner in exile, and we looked at moving up with weeping, okay? And now we have another guy, another characteristic we have to look at. Now it happened when David had come up to the top of the mountain when he worshipped God. There was Hushai the archite coming to meet him with his rope torn and dust on his head. David said to him, if you go with me, then you will become a burden to me. So let me tell you something. He asked some people to cross over and he will ask some people to stay. But this guy has got a very specific purpose for which David has kept him there. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will be with your servant. Then you may... Oh! God said, turn. So David said, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness, but God needs a Hushite, we will, which will accomplish the defeating of the counsel of Ahithophel. He needs a Hushite in all of us to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. What does that mean? Let me come to you. What does that mean? 
defeat Ahithophel. What is Ahithophel? Ahithophel gives what? Counsel. Now in those days, the counsel of that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed both by David and Absalom. Both of them, you know, it's like, no, many believers. Word of God is esteemed both by, okay, word of God is esteemed both by David and Absalom. A David can read the word of God and an Absalom can also read. It's just not what who what you read, it is also who reads. Both are important. Let's move on. So what does Ahithophel give? Second challenge chapter 16, verse 20. Then Ahith, Absalom said to Ahithophel, give your counsel, what shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. And all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. Boy! That's unbelievable, is it? What is it? You have made yourself a stench into your father's nostrils. And the hands of all those who are with you will be strengthened. Lot of people are saying, you are king, you are king, you are king. And you have to do something that will make your father, you look like stench in your father's nostrils. What is this? This is the counsel of Ahithophel which Jesus talks about in Luke's gospel chapter 16. Sorry, Luke's gospel chapter 16. Look at it. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they derided him. Whom they deride? They deride Jesus. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. You want people to say you are great, you are great, you are great. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is a stench in my nostrils. So beware of counsel in your life which will Get you the praise of men and make you a stench in God's nostrils. Defeat that. Another one. Second Samuel chapter 17. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men and I will rise and pursue David tonight. I will come up. Uh, I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic and all the people who are with him will flee and I will strike down only the king. You know what? He's giving counsel which will defeat or kill the Christ in you. Okay, that is that is the king. That's the counsel to defeat the Christ in you. And then he says, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes back to her husband. You seek the life of only one man and all the people will be... It's like it's like Gamaliel, no? It is expedient for one man to die. And then I will get the bride back to you. What is this, my dear brothers and sisters? This is the counsel that Absalom is... I mean, Ahithophel gives Absalom. And what happens? There's one guy called Hushite who has to defeat that. You know what he says? Then Absalom called Hushite the archite. <laughs> and let us hear what he has to say. Now tell me, who was Hushite under? 
he was with David, where? In Jerusalem, who were alongside with Hushite in Jerusalem. Two people are there mentioned. Zadok and Abiathar and the Ark of the Tabernacle. And what does he call Zadok? The seer. He says, Hushai, you have to defeat the council of Ahithophel. The only way you can do it is by being under priests who will give you counsel. What are the priests supposed to do? Teach you. And who, what kinds of teachings that they have to do? They have to be like a Zadok and an Abiathar who are literally close to the tabernacle. I mean, they are close to the, to the, to the Ark of the Covenant. They are the people who are set apart and sanctified for the Lord. Take their counsel, see what they are doing or how they are listening. And then, you know, this is what, what we call as anointed teaching. It says in Romans chapter 6 verse 17, we know that very, very well, no? But thanks be to God. Though you were once slaves to sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. That is Zadok and Abiathar. Let's move on. And Absalom said, call Hushai the archite and let us hear what he has to say. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, thus has Ahithophel spoken. Shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, this time the counsel of Ahithophel is not good. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We know this very well. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and Every high thing that exalts itself to the knowledge of God and what? Bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, what? Become a Hushite who will defeat every counsel of Ahithophel in your life. You know what? Become a student of God's word. That is how you become faithful. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yeah, let me tell you something. This is not indispensable. Okay, just because this is for everybody. It is just not for late, for clergymen. It is also for laity. For laymen too. If you consider you are a layman, this is for you. If I was, I was a layman before I was a clergy. You know that, right? <laughs> so you, one day you start studying the word of God. One day God will say, no, you are ready to become a clergy too. Okay. Study the word of God. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. I love this verse. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with what? With the same way of thinking. Defeat every counsel. You know what the word counsel is? The pattern of thinking. That's a word in Telugu. Alochana. How do you think? Change the way you think. And there are so many thoughts. The moment you enter into the house of God, people are bombarded. Even in the morning, just before I started worship, thoughts in my mind. My goodness, I said, Lord! Defeat. Started praying and said, Lord, every thought I bring it to the captivity of, of Christ Jesus. Defeat the counsels of Ahithophel in your mind by the word of God. Replace the lies in your heart and in your mind by the truth. Be meditators of the word of God. That is, that is how you become faithful. So you have people who are in distress. People who are in debt. People who are what? Discontented. People who are soldiers, people who are what? Exiles and foreigners, people who are ready to weep, and third, seventh, seventhly, or seven things, the people who are ready to 
meditate and be transformed by the word of God on those people and only those people will be able to remain faithful until the end. Otherwise, you know what happens? Your emotions will take over. And what does Ahithophel say? Oh, you do this, I'll make this people like the bride ready for the for her husband. So, absolute nonsense. And look at what it says in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 11. Look at what it says in verse 1 onwards. Oh, that you would bear with me a little folly and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And look at what he says. But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds, see that, maybe corrupted. From the simplicity that is in Christ. And one of the reasons why we keep on telling people to stop media, media, media. You know why? Because media will stop your thinking. There are only two ways which will which will encourage your thinking. First, reading. Second is hearing. Only two things. Only two things. Reading. If you are not a, a very good reader, develop the habit of listening. And listen to Anointed men of God. Different anointed men of God who will feed you with a real, real manna so that you can defeat the counsel of Ahithophel in your mind. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word. That's exactly what what every church is supposed to do. What they're supposed to do on Sunday morning, give you a shower. What kind of a shower? With a hose. You, you, you know when people go to prison, how they give them a shower? Every, when that kind of pressure has to come out from the pulpit. So that all vestige of dust and dirt is out of your body. Cleansing. This is what we call as showering you with the word. Cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. Counsel is important. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 4 onwards. These are the ones who have not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever they go. How? These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before God, before the throne of God. These are, these are the people, these are brides. They absolutely set themselves apart to God. And they were cleansed by the word and became ready for, as a bride, for God. So seven things we looked at today. We looked at what? People who are in distress. And honestly, you know, this is what we need to have, a distress spirit. Lord, everything I give to you, I don't hold anything back. Second, I am indebted to you, Lord. Third, I have a holy discontent. My life has to matter. Lord, I want to be a soldier coming under your authority. Lord, I am an exile and a foreigner in this world. Lord, I want to climb up with you weeping. Seventh, Lord, I want to ensure that my mind is full of the word of God so that every conflicting opinion, I'll be able to counter it. And those people can become faithful. Or rather, will become faithful. How is this possible though? How is this possible? John's Gospel chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out his disciples over the brook of Kidron. That's exactly how several thousands of years later, Jesus, our David, crosses the book of Kidron. And I'll tell you what Kidron Valley is. 
Kidron Valley is where all the refuge from the temple passes. It's a place of absolute stench. You know what? David was literally symbolizing Christ. That he would pass over that that brook or the valley of suffering. So that when he comes back, he will come back with a faithful set of people to reign over Jerusalem. But what happens? And Judas who betrayed him also knew the place where Jesus often met him there. This is basically the Mount of Olives, okay? Near the, near the, near the place. And then, then Judas having received detachment of troops and officers from the priests, from the chief priests and Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches and weapons. Jesus therefore knowing all things that would come upon him went forward and said to him, who are you seeking? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas who betrayed him also stood with him. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This is like, he just showed them a glimpse of their his glory, of his power. They all just fell back. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And he said, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth, I told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me, but none was Lost. You know how this is possible? No, none of us is faithful. Absolutely. None of us really, really came to the point where we are distressed, right? When you ask, are you really in distress? Meaning, are you ready to give up everything for the Lord? We have not come to the point. Are you really in debt? No, 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 no. We are not still, we don't think that we are completely, we owe our life to God. No. Are we, do we really have a holy discontentment? Not really. Are we really people who are under authority, real soldiers under authority? Not really, not not really, very few. Are we really people who think that we are so strangers and exiles in this world? Not many. I I should not include everybody. Not many. And are we really people who enjoy weeping? Not really for sure, but that's that's the only qualification for moving up with the Lord is to weep. Are we really people who say, Lord, whatever you say in your word, it doesn't matter how difficult it is for me, I will obey. Not easy. Not easy, no. It is impossible. Unless and until there was one man who went before us. Who that person is? Jesus. And in him, in him, if you are in him, you know what he says? I am going to empower you to be faithful. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a new covenant with you. What covenant? A covenant which, not, not, a, not the old covenant, a new covenant which, the old covenant, all of you broke it. The law was a what? A schoolmaster to bring you to me. And now on, what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a new covenant with you. A new covenant where I'm going to write my laws in your heart and in your mind. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways. And I know when the first time when I read that, what, Lord? You're going to cause me to walk in your ways? Absolutely. I'm going to cause you. I'm going to compel you. How am I going to compel you? By showing you my love. This is what I'm going to do to you. When you see my love, you'll have only one option. You know what, Lord? Nothing, Lord. In my hands I bring simply to the cross. I cling and I give everything. It's like this, no? See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love row mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, nor thorns compose so rich a crown. Where the realm of whole nature mine were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, 
so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And when I see that, he says, Lord, I know this. It's impossible, but when I see the cross. That is the reason why every time when we come to the church, we want to show you the cross. The ultimate suffering so that we could be what? And you know what? He has lost none of us. None of us. And if you feel that you are lost, Lord, Lord, I'm loitering around, Lord. You know what he says? It is I who bring you back. I am the good shepherd. I am a shepherd. If I see one of my sheep going astray, I will leave the 99 and I will come after you. That's exactly what he did to me and to you. He left everything and he came after you. Did he not? If everyone has an honest testimony, there's one testimony. You know what, Lord? I was lost, but now I'm found. You ran after me in spite of the fact that I didn't want to come to you. You know, that's a testimony for all of us. I remember my, myself, my own testimony. 365 days without church. 360, this is after baptism. Went into the waters and baptism and said, Lord, you are mine and I am yours. And after that, 365 days without church. God, God literally came after me. You know what? He stopped me. It's like, you know, taking the lady into the wilderness and speaking kindly to you and bringing yourself back. That's what he did with all of us. You're looking at your problems. Let me tell you something. Problems are the mercy of God so that he could bring you back to himself. You're looking at your situations and your trials. It is the mercy of God to bring you back to himself. You're looking at your weeping and saying, Lord, it is so difficult. But he says, it is the only way for you to grow. In the light of what you've heard, you don't feel distressed. Ask God for that. You know what he says? The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your fathers so that you love him with all of his heart. It's impossible for us to do it. You know what it says? The love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And therefore, we glory in tribulations. Knowing tribulations works patience, patience, godly character, and godly character, hope, and hope that we shall not disappoint. And this morning, you might be going through situations and trials and circumstances in your life, ordained by God, tailor-made by God for one purpose. So that you can see His work on the cross. Confess your sins. And when I say confess your sins, be specific. Say, Lord, I am not distressed enough. I still hold on to something in my life. There is deep down inside my corner a relationship which I don't want to give up. And God says through the prophet Ezekiel, have you seen my children when they come to you? They come as if they want to hear from you, but they have a stumbling block of iniquity in their hearts. They have set up idols in their hearts. And ask God this morning, what is your idol? Is your family your idol? Is your career your idol? Is your relationship your idol? Is the opinions of your friend your idol? You want to hold on to God, but you also hold on, want to hold on to your household idols. Like Rachel. But this morning you say, Lord, we bow my, I bow my heart. I bend my knee. 
and I want to cast down every idol that is there in my heart. And I want to be completely given to you, Lord, truly, from the bottom of my heart. And this morning, if you feel, Lord, I'm not indebted to you, ask God to show how much He has forgiven you. For those who are forgiven much, will love much. And those who are forgiven much, will extend the forgiveness to others. Ask, ask God, Lord, I don't have holy discontentment. And when I ask, I asked so that I can spend it on my own lust. But I want to be like a Hannah this morning. And I want to make a vow with you and say, Lord, if you give me a male child, he will be given to you all the days of his life. There will be no razor coming to his head. Lord, I want to be completely given to you, O oh Lord. I want my life to matter in your kingdom. For you said, heaven and earth will pass away. But those who do the will of God will not pass away. Will abide forever. But I want to be a good soldier this morning. I want to be under your authority. I want to be an exile. I want to be a foreigner. Lord, this is not my home. Lord, let my, let my eyes be open to the unseen. For the things which are seen are transient. The relationships that I hold on to are transient. The job that I hold on to are transient. Lord, but only those who do the will of God will abide forever. And therefore, Lord, open my eyes to see that which is eternal. And if it is going to cause me to weep, Lord, I know it is that only through weeping that I will be able to progress in my walk with you. But I know, Lord, in all my weeping, you weep with me because you are not a God who is not touched by the feelings of our infirmities. But in all points, you have been tested just like the way we are. We thank you that you are our eternal high priest who are touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And therefore, O Lord, every counsel that is going to be contrary to this will in my life, which is going to Make me compromise in my distressness. Which is going to make, make me compromise in my indebtedness. Which is going to make me compromise in my discontentment, my holy discontentment. Which is going to make me compromise in to be a, to be a good soldier under your authority. Which is going to make me compromise not to be an exile or a foreigner in this world. Which is going to make me compromise not to weep and to progress in my walk with you. Lord, I come against that thought or that ideology and I want to replace it. Lord, I want to be a good student of your word and I want to accept the whole counsel of God, the good, the bad and the ugly. And I want to replace every lie by the truth of the word of God. And this morning, let that that be your prayer. Take a few moments, my dear brothers and sisters, in the presence of the Lord. Yes, lead us. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the pieces round. Every stone, for heights of love, for depths of
Father, it is a new covenant which you made for the body and the blood of your son. And for the sake of your son, you will show kindness to us. It is because the kindness of God leads us to repentance, Lord. Father, forgive us if we have not been distressed enough in our spirit. Father, forgive us, Lord. And this morning, O Lord, even as we partake of these elements, O Lord, and even as we are honest with you, the partaking of these elements will bring life into us, O Lord. The very life of Christ will become our life. And there will be more surrender in your children this morning. Yes, Lord, weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. But we know, Father, the light and the momentary affliction that we may be going through, so many of us, is preparing us, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Knowing that the things which are passing away, the things that we, which we see are transient, O oh Lord, grant us the grace to see the things that we see as transient. Enable us to be open to the eternal things in our life. To that end, I pray that you would bless us this morning, even as we partake of, partake of these, of the elements, O oh Lord, the body and the blood of your Son. Bless us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3, 4, and 5. Let us read from verses 3, 4, and 5. Even as we end. 3, verse 3 onwards. Sorry. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. You know, see, let me tell you something. We are not faithful. God is faithful. Our faithfulness is because He is faithful to us. You see, the word kindness in the Hebrew language is the word chesed, from which we get the word covenantal love. Jonathan and David make a covenant with each other. They make a chesed. And when, you know what happens? Mephibosheth, he's absolutely lame. Lame in his, in his body. And you know what God, and what David says, can I show kindness to any of Saul's household for the sake of Jonathan, my, Jonathan, my friend. And he shows kindness to David, kindness to Mephibosheth. Think about this. Mephibosheth is one guy who's deceived. In this entire journey of David from out of, out into Kidron Valley, I mean out of Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley into the wilderness and back, one guy who's deceived is Mephibosheth. Ziba deceives him. David says, where is Mephibosheth? You know what he says? Where is Mephibosheth? And Ziba says, you know what? Now he said, the, now I'll be the king over Israel. That's what Mephibosheth said. And David comes back and he looks for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth comes and, and he appears before David. And Mephibosheth, uh, David asks Mephibosheth, where were you? I thought you would come after me. And you know what he says? Master, I couldn't go with you. But my heart was with you. I didn't have the ability because I was lame. But my heart is with you. I was absolutely lame in my body. I couldn't do it. This guy deceived me. But let me tell you, just because I was not there with you, 
Literally, it doesn't mean my, that my heart was not, with, not there with you. Let me tell you, so many of us will, will feel like Mephibosheth and say, Lord, I'm lame, Lord. I can't do this. No strength in me for, for, you, for me to be faithful. But do you have the heart? That is important. That's, exactly, that's what it says. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence where? In the Lord, not in ourselves, my dear brothers and sisters. If you think today we can manufacture that all those spirits in us, no, it's not going to be possible. We have the confidence in the Lord concerning you. You know, that's exactly what Paul Paul says. You know, I don't have confidence in you. I don't have confidence in myself. I have the confidence in the Lord concerning myself. Both you, that that uh, concerning you both that you would do and will do the things that we command you. In the next verse. Now, May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Do you have the love of God in your heart like Mephibosheth? You know what he says? From the time that you were in the wilderness, I did not shave my head. A sign of mourning. From the time that you were in the wilderness, I did not change my clothes. From the time you were in the wilderness, I was fasting. I was lame. I was. It was impossible for me to be, to show my kindness to you because I was lame. But you know what God says? I see your heart. That David could not strengthen you. But this David knows everything about you. And he will establish you. But may the Lord direct our hearts this morning. To the love of God. And to the patience of Christ. So this morning let's all, let's, let's all stand in the presence of God. And ask God, Lord. My heart is an idol factory. So many, so many things that draw my attention. But this morning, Lord. I want to ask, Lord. That you would circumcise my heart and direct me to the love of God and to the patience that is in Christ Jesus. Not only so, with joy in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. Patience, proven character. And proven character, hope and hope that will not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love you. The best that I know how. But I'm lame, Lord. But I'm lame. I'm not able to. But Lord, where David failed in the old covenant, I now know, Lord, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I ask or even think. You are able to make the lame walk. That is exactly the reason why Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon, is upon me and he has anointed me. To preach the gospel to the poor. To open the blind eyes. The lame walk, the deaf see. The deaf hear, the the blind see. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And this morning, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that everyone here in this house this morning, Lord, I pray that their hearts will be directed toward you. Toward your love. For it is impossible in our own strength even to love you, O Lord. Because our emotions will deceive us. Our will is not strong enough. But Lord, we have confidence in you. We have confidence in you. Because we know that in spite of we being unfaithful, you will still remain faithful. Therefore this morning, Father, we come to you and we appeal to you. Father, don't let us go, O Lord. Father, we want to cling to you this morning, O Lord. We want to cling to you wherever you are, whether in death or in life, like Ittai the Hittite. We want to be with you. Father, we want to take hold of that 
for which Christ has taken hold of us. And therefore this morning, I pray, Father, that you would direct our hearts to the love of God and to the patience of Christ Jesus. Father, deal with impatience in our hearts. So many of us, we want instant results, oh Lord, it is not going to be possible. Father, it is one step at a time. It is one day at a time. And I pray, Father, that you will find faithful ones here in this house. Faithful ones who will come under the authority of our heavenly David. May you find such in this house this morning. To that end, I pray that you would bless the hearing of this word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.